Okay, Mulder, but I'm warning you. If this is monkey pee, you're on your own. Hello, and welcome to Condensed Truth. This week, we're talking Season 1, Episode 24, The Early Meyer Flask. This is the Season 1 finale, and it aired May 13, 1994. It was written by Chris Carter and directed by R.W. Goodwin, who is an executive director for The X-Files until Season 5, which after Season 5, the show moved to L.A., and he didn't want to move. And so he's like... Well, I'm I'm kind of presuming, but it makes sense because he's lived in Washington. Anyway, uh, another fun fact is that he's married to Sheila Larkin, who plays Scully's mom. Oh, that is a fun fact. And what? <laughs> <laughs> my cat is trying to eat my microphone. <laughs> Very nice. The, the plot, uh, a lot happens because it's a mythology episode, but... Basically, the show starts with in the cold open. A man is being chased by the police, and he eludes the police because he manages to get away from them. And they shoot him, but he jumps in the water. And from this chase, Mulder gets a call from his source, Deep Throat, telling him to tune into the news broadcast talking about the high-speed chase, which leads Mulder and Scully to follow these few crumbs that Deep Throat is giving them on a lead to find out that a doctor has been doing experiments with the alien viruses to make alien-human hybrids, one of which is the man who was running from the cops. Uh, the forces manage to take back and cover up the evidence before Mulder and Scully can gather it to expose them, and Deep Throat gets murdered when exchanging the alien fetus Scully stole for Mulder, who gets captured, of course. Uh, Mulder and Scully then get reassigned from the X-Files. And that is all that happens in this very jam-packed finale. Do you have any opening thoughts on the episode? This this episode was really frustrating for me. <laughs> for, like, a multitude of, like, different reasons. I feel like everyone in their own unique way was really frustrating. Not really understanding the opening car chase for a long time was really frustrating <laughs> from a plot point because it's like, why, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it was it was a really frustrating, like yeah, frustrating episode for me. And like Mulder getting captured, like that's all he's kind of good for <laughs> right now. Which I guess it's better him than like Scully. I would rather like they make him lose his gun a lot. Yeah, he yeah he's he's like a really bad he's a really bad FBI agent like regular <laughs> FBI agent, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, if I had been and I don't remember if I had actually seen this one before or not, but like if I had been watching the X Files when it was first airing, and this was a season one finale. I would have been so fucking pissed. <laughs> it would have been so bad. Like, maybe would have stopped watching the show. Uh -huh. It just, it ends on a cliffhanger, but, like, it's just, like, too much of a cliffhanger. And, like, also, if you don't know, this is back whenever, like, the show had to do well enough to get, you know, a second season. And if you don't know yet whether or not it's going to have a second season, I would just be really pissed at Chris Carter. I don't know. I didn't really like this episode that much. Um, okay. 
Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing you say because uh, so I have like six books about the X Files I've been reading mm-hmm. for the podcast, which sounds excessive. And I just if if I can take a moment to explain myself. One thing I like to do when I need to kill time, like if I'm going over to a friend's place, but I'm incredibly early because I'm me, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just go to a half fried books and I'll walk around and then I'll go to the TV section and I'll see that they have an X-Files book and I'll buy it because it's like six bucks. I love half fried books. <laughs> it rules. And so I've collected a decent amount of books. And then there are a few that I bought, like I bought one just for the podcast. But anyway, I have a lot of books. And so I've been reading them to see if there are any fun facts in them and stuff. And one of them I read about this, that was one of the notes from this, like the network was like, they're like, if you reassign them, everyone's going to think the show is canceled or like there's not a new season. And they were like, that's your job to like market the show and be like, hey, look, season two. (laughs) And I will just say that the reason that they have a very specific reason for separating them, which we will get to soon enough. I also don't know if it was just like David Duchovny's line de- delivery too in the scene at the end where he like in like calls Scully in the middle of the night and like informs her that they're getting split up. I don't know. Like David Duchovny honestly seemed like really pissed. I don't know. He really that like was did not, not his best acting. No, he did not want to deliver <laughs> those lines. It was like really obvious. It, I, he was so weird. I don't. It was very strange. I don't know if that's also informing it. Is just like what. What the fuck was that sort of line delivery? Like, yeah, it it wasn't a great scene to like, no, we've been reassigned. It could have been done better for sure. I agree with that. I think maybe it would have been more interesting if they ended with like Scully getting Mulder back and like ended it there and then like maybe started season two with like, oh, they've been reassigned because of what ended at season one instead of ending season one with like, oh, you're getting reassigned. It's just like mm-hmm. a little confusing. Yeah, I think this this is this is a really interesting episode because you can see the parts of the mythology that they're trying to the pieces of the mythology puzzle they're sort of starting to assemble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but yeah, I don't think it's one of my favorite episodes. But because of its place in the show, I felt like we at least needed to talk about, it, even though it. I would probably say it's not one of its strongest episodes for sure. Yeah, I definitely see how it's important, but because it's like the beginning of the alien human hybrid discovery, right? But like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. As I mentioned, the cold open is very big and actiony. It's very much like, <laughs> it's like, wow, I can tell this is a finale because this is where all the money's going. <laughs> All the stunt money went to that car chase scene. Yeah, they have a car just like lifting into the air over a hill and crashing back down in this absurd car chase. Um, also, yeah, so the so they're chasing this guy and it's like a, they end up at a dock and the, the cops are trying to subdue him, but he's very strong and he resists. And then another cop tasers him, but it has no effect. He just takes the like electrodes out. And so he starts to run and the cop's like, I'm going to shoot like armed cop and just shoots him. And he jumps into the water and it's sort of like, wow, what did this guy do? It turns out it was just like a damn traffic violation. Really? Because I didn't I didn't even remember them explaining what he did to get chased in in the in the beginning. It's just like, I don't know why were, this is happening. 
they they uh, they mentioned like a moving violation, and then I guess he wouldn't stop, and so they chased him. And I guess that's enough to like just get shot while running away. <laughs> I mean, cops have shot people for less, so there's that. Yeah, totally. But it was like it's interesting because there are a few lines where like well, uh, I'll mention it in a minute, but like Mulder was like, "All this for a movie violation." <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he he jumps in the water and there's this this green liquid right where he jumped that is very ominously shot, like the camera pans down to. And my other note, well, this is for the the opening theme, is it is our first time with a different slogan other than the truth is out there. Mm-hmm. And it says, trust no one. Mm hmm. That was kind of exciting. Our first one, baby's first new titled card. <laughs> Aww, we made it. Yeah. So then, after the credits, we get Mulder Otis asleep on his damn couch, as he does his sad, sad couch with the next file tucked into his arm, <laughs> and uh, he's watching Journey to the Center of the Earth, which I had to look up because I'm under thirty. <laughs> But but I did want to make a I did want to make a comment about how like they make a lot of references to like old movies on the X Files mm-hmm. and it always makes me feel so young when they do because like to like the writers just seem very much like the kind of guys that are like really into old movies and just watched all of them and stuff you know like a real TV Twitter kind of guy oh absolutely <laughs> Twitter yeah <laughs> uh, a a TV Twitter reply guy proto. <laughs> Yes, they're the ones, like, arguing online about, like, I don't know, whatever. But there's a lot of references to mm-hmm. old movies. And they, they all go over my head, except when I Google them and find out <laughs> what's going on. But my cursory look at the Wikipedia page of Journey to the Center of the Earth, it did not offer any, like, hey, this is why this is playing. I think they just like it and put it on. I don't know if there was anything else to it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really see any connection between it and, like, the plot, like, what was going on. Because, like, sometimes they have those little kind of Easter eggs in there, and those are really nice, and those are appreciated. Um, mm-hmm. But he he's awoken from his slumber because he got a call from Deep Throat telling him to turn on Channel 8. And like the dutiful son, Mulder turns on Channel 8. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I love how he turns it on and he immediately starts recording it. With the VCR. <laughs> I know. Old school. I also, I literally wrote down Deep Throat is Mulder's replacement daddy. Like, that's literally, <laughs> literally a line I wrote down in my notes. Because, like, Deep Throat calls him to turn on the news and he just, like, does as a dutiful son. <laughs> like, yeah. like, okay. He's like, a sucker. It's like whenever there was, like, pre, you know, smartphones and, like, there was bad weather, like, my dad would sometimes call the house and, like, tell us to turn on the weather channel because he would be, like, out in, like, a different town because he's a salesman that would, he was a traveling salesman and he would ask us to turn on the weather and tell us what the, tell him what the weather forecast was so he knew whether or not he needed to pull over. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Oh my god, that's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I really loved this shot where so Mulder's watching the news broadcast and it cuts to his face. And then when it cuts back to the broadcast, they're in the office. But you can't really tell that immediately. And then when it kind of pans out and you hear Scully and he's rewinding the tape, I really like that shot a lot. That was a really good transition. I agree. So they're in the office. And yeah, and this is also when... uh. 
when they when Mulder mentions that he was he was they tried to pull him over for a movie violation. And Scully had a line where she was like, wow, that have really put him on the top 10 most wanted. <laughs> <laughs> They're showing a lot of contempt for local cops. Yeah. Here. I appreciate and they're valid it. for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and they, so they go to the scene because like we've previously established, Mulder's the dutiful son. When he's told to investigate something, he says, how high? <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, okay, yeah, I'll go investigate this, even though this is not much of a lead at all. And I just wanted to say that the, the captain of the police captain he talks to, the Canadian accent's out of control. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Like, are you sh- Maryland? Really? This is a Maryland cop? The Canadian cop that uh, relocated to Maryland. <laughs> Wait, late on in life. He's like, you know what I want to do? I want to be a cop in Maryland. Yes, yes. That's everybody's dream. <laughs> and again, when he's talking to the cop, Mulder also says, all this for a movie violation? So there's a lot of, like, laying on, like, hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like, this is weird. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think he was trying to make a point or anything. It was just like, wow, this guy really just got chased for a movie violation. And it just so happened that he's the key in uncovering this big government conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) What great luck. So from this conversation, they go to inspect the car the guy was driving. And they realize it's not the same car. Why would it be the same car? (laughs) So they're like, okay, here's a, here's another lead from this crumb of a lead that Deep Throat gave us. So now we got to figure out whose car it was. Yeah, Deep Throat uh, is truly giving them like the smallest of crumbs to work with here. Exactly, exactly. So they go to meet the the guy whose car who who owns the car is this guy named Doctor Barube. This is not related, but he is in. They're like a decent number of actors from the Amer- uh, from the X Files. That are just um, in it a lot. And I recognize this guy from another episode. Because <laughs> he has a pretty distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. He's, he's also in War of the Copper Pages. Oh, okay. I've seen that one. Yeah, he's the he's the, the bug... The bug... Not the hot bug doctor. The other doctor. <laughs> the not the hot bugs. bug doctor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a credit. The not hot bug doctor. <laughs> yes. The one, the one that's smoking hot, and then the other one. <laughs> so they go, and he's he's a very typically like grumpy scientist, mm-hmm. which I kind of liked because mm-hmm. that's a trope, and that's it a is. real thing. It is a real thing. And Scully goes to try to touch the monkey. Why? Why <laughs> would you do that? <laughs> she just let her pet the monkey. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Also, like that hood that he was working in, I don't think it was even on. Because, like, like fume hoods and, like, biological hoods, whenever you're doing work, they make noise because they're, like, you're not trying to, like, you're trying to keep the the area isolated for whatever reason. Like, that was just, like, a little pet peeve of mine. I'm like, I don't think that hood's even on. Like, it's not even doing anything. You'd hear it because it sounds like an AC. Mm-hmm. It's like a vent. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited to talk about this next scene where they go to, they leave the doctor and they and Mulder wants to confirm with the housekeeper, talk to the housekeeper to find out about this car situation. And so he's like, let's go talk to her. And Scully's just like, no. And he's like, no, what do you mean? No. You know, and I, I, I really love this scene because like Scully is right in this scene. She says, um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, this has reached the point of absurdity, Mulder. We're out here on half a hunch off of a cryptic phone call chasing down a, a clue that's based on nothing but speculation. Well, that's all we've got. That's all he's given us. And, and she just says, like, Deep Throat lied to you last time. Why would you trust him now? And we know, like, she's like, we know nothing about him. And she's so on point in this argument. Oh, yeah, totally. She's so frustrated, too. Like, she's like, yeah. what the fuck are we even doing? Like, we're not finding anything here. Yeah, and, and she's just like, he gave us nothing, Mulder. He gave us a news story and a car, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, why do we have to chase after his lead? And and so Mulder's kind of, like, irritated. It's, like, his his whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> this this She's insulting her, his uh, uh, substitute father. His whole identity. <laughs> yes. It's like, this is my thing. People give me weird cryptic clues and I make something out of it. She's like, this one's dumb, though. <laughs> I think, well, I'll say that one of the things I really love about the X-Files is the dialogue just is like so good. It's so on point. And I think it's a show that like really excels in that kind of, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so like, of course, the scene was like catnip for me. Cause I'm like, yes, it's like the back and forth, the arguing. And uh, I think my favorite, my favorite point in the argument is Scully says like, you don't know this isn't a game to him. He's toying with you. And Mulder is like, you think he does it because he gets off on it? She says, no, I think he does it because you do, Mulder. <laughs> Just like, Queen. get his ass. Yeah, like, get his ass. Like, <laughs> she is so right. She's so right. And and it, and I love that that comment bothers him, too. Like, yes, it should bother you, Mulder. It should. Like, he gets all pissy yeah. because of that comment. She, like, planted that seed in his head. But, like, she's also right. Like, he needs... To just like think about things and get over his like weird daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do, I absolutely love that the next scene is like Mulder goes home because he's like, yeah, Scully's right. If she, like, why are we doing this? And, and he goes home and Deep Throat finds him there and he's like, why are you not investigating? And like Mulder kind of throws back everything Scully said to him at Deep Throat. And I thought that was so interesting because it, it really is like, Mulder really took to heart what mm-hmm. she said. And that's not always the case. Like he Mm-mm. he's such a stubborn guy and he doesn't like listening to people. The only person he tolerates listening to is Scully. Mm-hmm. Scully and Deep Throat <laughs> are literally the two people he listens to. Yeah, like whatever source has corralled him into doing whatever he's doing at the moment and Scully, and that's it. And like maybe Logan. <laughs> but like, yeah, like he he is pissed at her, but then he's like, you know what? She's right. Like, why am I doing this? Like, he gave me nothing. I don't need to do this. And and uh, in that conversation, uh, <laughs> Deep Throat says, like, trust me, you've never been closer. And Mulder's like, closer to what? And that is the big question. Like, what mm-hmm. is what is he getting closer to? And this episode does, I think, do a good job of like. Because I think with EBE, the last mythology episode we talked about, we definitely got a sense that it was big, but this one really kind of sets out the stakes. Mm-hmm. Because, like, this doesn't just involve, like, a, a shadowy group, which <laughs> I'll just, I'll call them the syndicate because that's what they're called, even though we don't find out for a hot minute that they're called the syndicate. Whenever 
like deep throat was like we're talking about like dark organizations here i i turned i turned to my wife and i was like if this was the mcu this would be the hydra reveal like because <laughs> like that's what the mcu does like it's all all the fucking same um which right. is like why i can't stand it anymore because i just think it's boring at this point but like yeah like it's just like <laughs> That's how, like, trained I've been by this stupid Marvel machine that I was like, <laughs> if this was Marvel, this would be where, like, Hydra would be revealed to be the ones doing the alien hybrids. Um, but, yeah. We, we'd cut to the office where they're all, like, hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, this one is, like, the stakes are, like, there's some, like, syndicate working behind the scenes. But also this involves, like, at a larger scale because we're having, like, scientists like be recruited into doing these experiments and stuff so there's some infrastructure beyond just like the syndicate that we're kind of getting a hint at right now Mm -hmm. and so i like that is what boulder's closer to but at the same time like because of the nature of how a story like this hat goes it's that like everything gets pulled away from them and it just pulls them in deeper into discovering this conspiracy Mm -hmm. And I think that can be effective, but I think like it's just hard to keep that energy up a lot of times. And it's hard to keep those stakes because if they keep losing, then it's sort of like you fall into this pattern of like they're never going to get it. Right. Right. And I think that's why I find this episode really frustrating, especially from like a storytelling point of view is like it's like Chris Carter's raising the stakes too early, like too high, too early, like. They don't need to be quite this high, quite this early for a show that has like 10 more seasons and a movie. Like, two movies. Two, Yeah, yeah, two movies. So it's like, part of me is just like, okay, if you're raising the stakes this high at this point, where are you going with it in a way that's going to be sort of satisfactory? And like, I think it's satisfactory in some ways. Like the show is a series. But, like, I think this this is part of one of its inherent flaws, is that it, it did kind of raise the stakes too high, too early. Mm-hmm. And I blame Chris Carter for that. <laughs> Laying it clear at his feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't, do- I don't disagree. I think, like, I think I maybe disagree in the sense that, like, I don't think the stakes were, like, raised too high this episode. But I do think that you're right, that, like, it, it feels like you have to give Balder and Scully something to keep them invested and not just take everything away. Yeah, exactly. And I think like that buy-in was kind of, it's like, it makes sense why Mulder like is so invested because of his sister. Mm-hmm. But I think like with Scully, it's a little less clear. Like if she gets reassigned, why would she even bother with the X-Files after that? You know? Right. Except that she's in love with Mulder, obviously. <laughs> I mean, duh. But besides that, <laughs> poor girl, but you know. Yeah. So after the scene with Mulder and Deep Throat, we cut to Brubay at his office and he gets murdered. So RIP to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets killed by the guy who was in the news broadcast that Mulder saw. It's never like directly pointed out. It's just like the camera lingers. And I, only, I recognize her from other episodes. That's a little bit more keyed into expecting him. Yeah, he definitely looks like um, a bad dude. You know, yeah, like, he looks like yeah, he looks like a, a a a scary dude who would who would be bad. Yeah, and it's one one fun quirk is that uh, with like, cause he's like 
tangentially related to the syndicate. He's doing their bidding. And all the syndicate guys have like weird names. And I am pretty sure this guy is the, the crew cut guy. Yeah, crew I mean, cut man. I was going to say he looks he looks like a fascist, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he does have a, a distinct haircut that is uh, maybe worn by a very specific kind of person. Yeah, let's word Not it that way. Head. Yeah, <laughs> he does have hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he he's doing the bidding and he off Barube. Yeah. And then we have the scene where they're, cause they're, they've been looking in the water, looking for the guy that jumped in. And at this point, they call off the water search. And as they're leaving, you just see the guy like lift his head up. And uh, as he's in the water, he's just been under there the entire time, like hours because he can breathe underwater. And I'll say that I won't clarify any more details, but if you've seen season 11, this is like very reminiscent of the finale, the very bad finale. There's a character that does a similar thing where he like peers out of the water. Oh, I love and that. And it's just like, oh, I fucking hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching it. It's just like, Chris Carter, why don't you come to my house and beat me up yourself? <laughs> <laughs> you coward. Go to Chris Carter's anyway. house and beat him up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at one point, I don't know if they still do, but I think him and David Duchovny live like right next door to each other. Ew. Well, it's easier if you have a grudge to like go confront both of them, I guess. I mean, I guess that's fair. Two <laughs> birds with one stone. One brick. <laughs> Mulder and Scully are told or find out somehow that Berube, uh died. And they made it look like a suicide. They Jeffrey Epstein him. <laughs> and they trash his office. And Scully remarks that Berube was working on the Human Genome Project. Shout out to the Human Genome Project. Yeah, it's it was started uh, October 1st, 1990 mm-hmm. and finished April 2003, mm-hmm. which is longer than the original run of the X-Files because it was <laughs> 93 to 2002. So just barely older. Yeah. The entire time when they were doing the Human Genome Project. Well, not the entire time, but most of the time they were doing the Human Genome Project. They could have been watching the X-Files during it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and uh, so they don't buy that he um, died by suicide. Yeah, it's sketch as fuck. Yeah, it, it is. And, and so they're like, well, there must be some clue here. And they find this uh, early Meyer flask of a brown liquid, <laughs> which I think was like a like a that broth, right? That you use to like culture cells. Um, like is it that color? It's like way too brown. Um, oh, okay. The like, um, the broth that you use to like culture, because like I've I've done this like to like grow bacteria and stuff in like large cultures and like large like sort of like two liter like Erlenmeyer flasks, because that was a really small Erlenmeyer flask. Um, it's like a more like a lighter brown color okay it's like that was like a really kind of gross dark brown color like like it got overheated or something i don't know it's really strange because like whenever you you do it to and it just like has such a particular smell so like now i can smell it but like whenever (laughs) whenever it smells kind of gross but um whenever i mean a lot of that stuff does yeah it's just gonna say it smells kind of like bad beef um but like Whenever you do like 
grow use it to like grow bacteria you put it in autoclave first because you want to destroy anything like and in the water and stuff that like could not be the specimen that you're actually like targeting or whatever and so like maybe i don't know maybe it just got like like autoclaved a bunch of times i don't know it just like look it's like way too dark of a brown but um Mm -hmm. yeah that stuff is like more like a lighter sort of tan color okay okay that's when i saw it that's what i thought of that it was the broth the yeah the medium the growth medium Mm -hmm. but (laughs) it's so molder finds this this early wire flask and he just hands up the skull he's like oh just find out what's in this oh my god (laughs) he got a lot of negative hits for me in this scene <laughs> just yeah, just hand a scientist a random Erlenmeyer flask filled with something and just be like, what is this? And like, of course she was like, I don't I don't know. And then he was like, well go find out. And it's like excuse you. <laughs> this is her job. She's, this is what she's here for. And she's the one that actually comes up like the classic case in this show. All Mulder does is like dick around and get kidnapped and be a dumbass. <laughs> And, like, Scully's off getting the actual useful information and evidence. Yeah, it's it's called doing what you know. Mulder just knows how to get kidnapped. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, there's a great Scully line. After he hands her the Erlenmeyer flask, <laughs> she says, If this is monkey pee, you're on your own. <laughs> I love her. delivery is amazing. <laughs> I love her. She's so over it. She's so pissed. She's so good in this episode. Like she I, is. I like Scully, but I obviously like like Mulder a lot. Mm-hmm. And this episode, I was really struck. I was like, "Damn, like Scully's really on point this episode." Mm-hmm. Doing the tasks that they're good at, Mulder breaks into Brewbay's home, and Scully takes the early Meyer flask to Georgetown University to be examined. And Mulder, while he is breaking into his house, he gets a call from the guy who was in the water. And I love the scene where it's the, the crew cut guys in a, a shady van and he has a huge <laughs> I love I love how the van like pulls up in the window and then and Mulder it's like behind Mulder so he can't see it, but like he's in this office with a light on and the blinds open again, like a dumbass. Like of course like but anyway, you see the van like pull up and then it backs up a little bit. <laughs> Yes. Before he pulls oh out the comically God. large listening device. <laughs> yeah, it, it seriously seemed like something out of like Looney Tunes. It was this like huge disc, like a like a satellite dish. Mm-hmm. And he just had headphones on, he was just pointing it <laughs> at the window. And it, it was just so incredibly funny. It looked like something <laughs> like I would have got in like a, a school sale like when you had to like sell things yeah you got those little prizes it seemed like one of those things yeah like a like a one of the prizes if you hit a certain point in the fundraiser is like a a quote-unquote like spy kit or whatever and it has like yes. the pen that writes like an invisible ink and the like, fake listening device that's just <laughs> a plastic and cellophane satellite dish <laughs> yeah this is the kind of tech that they can spring for at the syndicate. <laughs> it's it's because they spent all of the money on the car chase. Yeah, yeah. They they blew all their money on the car chase. And now this guy's just in this shady van with a giant listening device. But Mulder does find uh so I think an invoice from for Zeus storage. And so that's his next stop. Let's figure out what's in this this storage container. But before we can do that, we cut to because when the 
guy from the lake was on the phone, he collapses. And someone walking by is like, oh, I'm going to call an ambulance. And so the ambulance comes and they pick him up and they they stick a needle into his chest, uh, I think, to help his lungs. Because mm-hmm. there's a, probably a lot of fluid and pressure in his lungs and to kind of relieve that. Mm-hmm. And so but when they do that, like a gas is released. And so the the ambulance drivers start like it gets in their eyes and the ambulance. It doesn't crash, but it kind of pulls off of the side of the road. Uh, and the guy escapes, the late guy escapes and the ambulance people, I don't really know. It doesn't really say if they died or not. I assume not because Mulder also got exposed and didn't die. Yeah. I feel like they probably got like pretty sick, but maybe not died. They just like never come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but an interesting note, uh, that I, I, I didn't know this before, but one of the books I was reading mentioned that this was partially inspired by, uh, there was this real life case in uh, I think it was Riverside, California. There's this woman named Gloria Ramirez who died, and this happened in like February 1994. So this would have been like two or three months before this episode aired. And she came in and she was having a heart attack, and when they were treating her, um, they noticed this like slick oil on her, and they drew blood. But when they drew blood. The doctors like close the doctor and the nurse closest to that like got sick and like passed out, and so it was like she's like this toxic. There's something toxic about her blood, so it was unexplained. But then they did an inquiry into it. The best conclusion that they've come to, which is seems pretty solid from what I read, mm-hmm. uh, is that she was using dimethyl sulfoxide as a home remedy of pain, and then the oxygen they gave her in the ambulance. That formed dimethyl sulfone. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like accidentally releasing a toxin based on that. Because mm-hmm. I think it was like a substance that you could spread on your body. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting that it was like something like an article Chris Carter read. And he's like, wouldn't that be an interesting idea is like blood being toxics? Like, yeah. And that kind of sprang into the idea that like the alien human hybrids have blood that is toxic to regular humans yeah i think that um i'm glad that that was kind of the extent of like what that was based off of and it didn't get any more like personal into this woman who died right because like that's awful um but yeah i do think it is interesting yeah it kind of reminded me of the uh the law and order csi like ripped from the headline story structure you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where like some some rich asshole gets arrested and then like a couple weeks later or like a couple months later there's like a law and order episode about it yeah like some rich guy kills his wife and then that's the law and order episode like five months later yes exactly <laughs> so so a bit of that happening here so then scully calls Mulder to report her discovery uh, at the task that he gave her, finding out what is in the Erlenmeyer flask. This scene was kind of funny to me because (laughs) she was like, it's a bacteria that like doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's like, it it seems like it's ancient Mm -hmm. in that it existed way before us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so funny because she's like, it's a bacteria, but there's a virus reproducing in it. And it also has chloroplast. And it's like, you're just really shoving everything up. Every scientific word you can think of. Yeah, I, this is why I think um, this episode was really frustrating for me. Yes. I watched this and I was just like, every time there was something science, I was like, Laura's going to be pissed at this. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You're right. Um... 
Because it's like, okay, first of all, is it a bacteria or is it a virus? Because they reference it as both multiple times in this episode, and those are two different things. And like, yeah. okay, and so they talk about like gene therapy with like viruses and like bacteriophages. And so there's a difference between like gene therapy and bacterial transformation. So with bacterial transformation, bacteria do this really cool thing where there's horizontal genes transfer. If there's genetic material out in their environment, they can pick that up and bring it into them and then integrate it within their own DNA. And that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I did that whenever I worked in a lab at a university over the summer in college when I made all of that medium to grow the bacteria in. It was for bacterial transformation because we were looking for a specific protein. Um, And so we wanted the bacteria to make that protein but like gene therapy using like a bacteriophage to insert genetic material which is a bacteriophage for our our viewers i realize might not know what that is it's a, just a virus that infects bacteria is all bacteriophages so like using a bacteriophage to like inject genes into a bacteria like can be done but like isn't really super helpful to humans like like you don't really need the the phage to go into the bacteria for human gene therapy you just really need a vector so you can take a virus that has been you take all of the like all of the viral genetic material whether that's rna or dna and then you insert whatever genetic sequence you want in and then you insert it into human and then it'll work like like that's how that's how some vaccines work yeah i was just really confused by it and like yeah the chloroplasts was just like okay why yeah like it would have been fine if they because like the i think what they're trying to say is that like there's this bacteria they haven't seen before and they're using that bacteria to reproduce the virus okay which like that would be fine but like why is there chloroplasts like why why does this bacteria have to be foreign like you know what i mean like if it's the virus that they're focusing on why don't you just have you could just have like a normal bacteria. It does bacteria doesn't have That's, to be special either. I'm so yeah, I'm so confused because like, is it the bacteria or is it the virus that is in, that is the the alien part? Because it's like because then when they sequence, they sequence the bacterial DNA, which I get because like the the virus was in it. But like, how do they know that that was viral DNA within the bacteria? Because like the virus inserts its stays on the surface of the cell and then inserts mm-hmm. its genetic material into it. And and then like detaches and goes away. Like, how did they know that that was viral? Was the virus wouldn't be inside the bacteria? I don't know. It's just like very confusing if you actually kind of know science. Because <laughs> yeah. like, that's why I'm so confused. I think it was fine to like my wife who is doesn't have a science background is just like yeah sure okay whatever. Mm. Um, but I was sitting here just like really confused, <laughs> like. <laughs> so confused um yeah i think they do clarify like later in the show because there's like alien virus is like a a big part of the show so i think the bacteria is inconsequential but it also you're right that it was like y'all are like kind of confusing the two then right they are and so that confused me a lot the whenever the microbiologist like sequenced the dna and then showed like scully the like printout of like the gel electrophoresis which she was just like do you know what you're looking at and i'm like a random (laughs) electrophoresis gel that i have no context for Um, oh my god and then goes to explain to scully a medical doctor the most 
basic intro bio DNA, like even like goes into like, like a base pair is made of nucleotides. Like Scully would know this. It was so frustrating for me. It was so fun. It was like, I know they're doing this for the audience. Right. They totally are like, which is fine. But like maybe put Mulder in there. They need their resident dumbass. Right. It would be totally fine. That scene would be perfect if they had Mulder because it'd be like, yes, you do need to explain to your audience this, especially in the early 90s, whenever DNA science Mm -hmm. is in DNA, like sequencing and forensic science are like with DNA is like really on the like cutting edge. Like this is the very early parts of the human genome project, like we mentioned earlier. Like, yes, you need to explain to your audience what DNA is. But not to your character, who is a medical doctor and would have learned that in school. Yeah, they had they had her and then like the the scientists both like doing like bio one one at each other. It was so funny. It was funny, <laughs> frustrating. Yeah, okay, funny. I was like, oh my god. When they're talking about it, they're like, there are these blank spaces because we think there might be a fifth and sixth base pair. And, and the scientist goes, it, it would have to be, by definition, extraterrestrial. <laughs> dun, dun, dun! <laughs> I know, that felt so corny. I did kind of like... It was so corny. I did kind of like that part because it's like, just, yeah, that is interesting. That, like, you'd be like, we've found, like, a fifth and sixth base pair. Or we found a fifth and sixth nucleotide that make that make a fifth base pair um, out of the four that humans slash all life on the planet earth have um yeah that's cool that part is cool but the lead up to it was just like this doesn't make sense with the characters you have in this scene like just swap yeah scully out for Mulder, and it would be great yeah it, it, it was it was cool and then i was i was sort of thinking i was like yeah what, what like the science between having a fifth and sixth faith base pair mm-hmm. i was like i don't really know what that would I guess it would, like, offer more opportunities for, like, different proteins and stuff and, like, amino acids. Yeah, and I was also thinking of, like, how big would that be? Like, that's going to be more physical space. So what is the point of it? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's really cool. I don't mean to, like, undercut it, but, like, I started thinking about it. And I was like, I don't really know if, like, that would, like, evolutionary make any sense. Right, right. What benefit would would a, an organism with a fifth and sixth base pair have get that like a, a one with only four would? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're, there's still a lot about DNA that like science doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. I think I think that gets quoted a lot is that like a lot of our DNA is like quote unquote junk DNA. It's kind of like well we don't know what it does. It's yeah it's so it's DNA that's basically for our listeners junk DNA is basically DNA that is in between genes and we know what genes are. Genes are specific sequences that correlate to proteins and or gene products. There's debate within the scientific community on whether it's proteins or gene products. But anyway, proteins slash gene products. Um, and there's a bunch of DNA in between. And there's a lot of theories on like why we have this extra DNA because it's like if it doesn't do anything that we know of, then why is it there? From an evolutionary mm-hmm. standpoint, evolution's very like uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like utilitarian in that sense. Like, you know, like 
if this this serves a purpose or or like it has some sort of benef- benefit evolutionarily, but sometimes ev- evolution's not great at that, and there's some like really dumb, ridiculous yeah, things yeah. that have no benefit that have survived evolution. So that's not always the case. But <laughs> yeah, like if it's if it's not harming either, there's no right. reason to not have it. Exactly, which is why you have like vestigial male organs. nipples. Yeah, male nipples. <laughs> I was gonna go vestigial <laughs> organs and like whales and stuff, but like yeah, male nipples um is a great example. <laughs> The DNA is it's quote unquote junk, but it's also like, well, it could be there to help protect the genes from enzymes and other things that attack the DNA. Or like if a mutation happens within a gene, it can be really detrimental to the living organism. Like cancer could happen versus like if a mutation happens within the quote unquote junk sequence, then it's fine and it doesn't affect the functioning of the organism at all. It's like, we have this junk DNA, does it serve a purpose? And there's kind of the debate between like, no, it doesn't really do anything. And also like, well, we don't know quite exactly what it does. It might not be that it doesn't do anything at all. It might do something. We just don't really know the purpose of it yet. Science. You think science has actual answers, but it has mm, some. (laughs) Once you get past like 101, Mm -hmm. bio like 101, they're Mm -hmm. always like, well, I don't know. It's kind of complex. Yeah. (laughs) A lot lot happening. Yeah. There's like, you know. A lot of shrug emojis going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even something as basic, uh, like X Y X X. Like even that. Like even looking at like there are variations where like uh, someone uh, like a sign male at birth could have like X X Y, or you mm-hmm. know, like there's lots of variations. Oh, for, like, tons. There's tons yeah, of variations when it comes to uh, the sex chromosomes. Absolutely. Yeah, you can have just one X chromosome and be a totally wow. living and functioning human being. Turner syndrome. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and it's just there are there are like a lot of genes where it's like very clear. You think of like the like the Punnett square, you know, mm-hmm. that you do in like middle school bio class, even something like that. It's like a lot of genes, like, yeah, sure that makes sense, but like a lot of genes, it's like there are a lot of factors going on. So it's not solely like one spot we could see. Oh, absolutely. And like going back to Punnett squares, I think Whenever you learn about Punnett squares and Mendelian genetics in high school early on, you're very, that's kind of everyone's sort of intro into genetics as a subject. Punnett squares are great with simpler organisms like pea plants. They don't really apply to humans. So like, I think Mm. eye color is what people really like to think of, like, or, or even, even height, but like height is, is very A, multigenetic and B, is also determined by nutrition a lot too. Um, So Mm. like height totally breaks down whenever you apply it to humans. And like eye color is there sometimes, but like you have intermediate expressions because basically people with blue eyes don't have a protein in their iris. And so it's just the light reflecting without hitting this protein. And if you have brown or like not blue eyes, you have this like protein there. It's like, is the protein there? Is it not? Is basically like brown eyes versus blue eyes. But then you have more intermediate expressions of color where it's just like, well, some there's some protein there, like some cells have the gene and some cells don't. Yeah, even like something we we learned about with like humans with eye color really early on is actually not that simple whenever you get into the nitty gritty of it. Mm -hmm. So Scully doing her science thing. (laughs) Back to the episode. He's yeah. (laughs) Our our very long uh, science corner. I hope y'all like the science corner. 
But uh, yeah, so Mulder is goes to the storage facility, and I, I I wanted to say so he goes into and storage is called Zeus Storage, and it's on Pandora Street. I was about to say the address is really on the nose. <laughs> I want to say I I feel like I have this vague memory of like place the location they were shooting at was called Pandora Street. Like they didn't write that in. They were like, oh, that's cool. Like let's use that. So I'm not 100 sure, but I, I'm pretty sure that's a that's a real anecdote that I remember <laughs> for my seven years of collecting X Files anecdotes. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to say that I was very proud of Chris Carter in this scene because the locker that the uh, storage facility is is number 1056, and I was very proud of him for not doing 1013. 10, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, wow, you were you avoided it for once. And for people not in the know, 1013 is one, Chris Carter's birthday, two, Mulder's birthday, three, Chris Carter's productions company is called 1013 Productions. And so you see it a lot in the show, like a lot of stuff. It'll be like 1013 on the clock. I think at one point, I don't remember if it's the pilot or an episode I've been watching, but the the radio was 101.3. So a lot. It's in the show a lot. What is wrong it's with, excessive. with Libra men? Like, <laughs> no offense to any Libra men watching the show. I'm a double Libra, okay? It's my sun and rising sign. But, like, what is wrong with Libra men? Like, Chris Carter and Mulder are both Libras? Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. There's something we need to, we need to get a handle on this. They're not okay. <laughs> So Mulder goes into the storage facility and there are bodies in this these like fish tanks. And the people in the fish tanks, I think I, I read that they, they recruited divers. <laughs> that makes sense. People, I was people thinking, could stay underwater. I was like, this is kind of a weird modeling gig. <laughs> and so Mulder's walking around and sees it. And um, there are clones. And he gets really excited and he leaves. There, there's some men standing obviously in the street when he walks out. And so he starts to run. Man, he really leaped over that fence. Yeah, that was impressive. Do you think that was David Duchovny or do you think that was a stunt double? I think it was a stunt double because they probably already had some stunt people on set for the car chase scene. <laughs> it probably was, but I also, I don't know. David Duchovny's so lanky. <laughs> just yeah. imagine him doing this. Like, he's pretty fast. He's a pretty fast runner. But so he runs away and uh, they he, he gets back to his apartment. And Scully calls him and then he's like, okay, I want to take you to this. I just saw something like we should meet up. And so she picks him up and they go back to the Zeus storage. And so I have a lot of thoughts on this scene because this is the scene where Scully, she apologizes to Mulder and she says like, I should know by now to trust your instincts. And Mulder goes, why? No one else does. And, And she smiles at that. And normally when I watch the show, because I've seen this episode like six or so times. I don't know. I've seen it a lot. Anyway, Mm -hmm. not important. The number of times I've seen this show, not important. (laughs) 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 But I I think I always like like this scene because it it felt like, you know, her, her, not necessarily her faith in science, but the faith in these theories that she took to be fact that like Mm -hmm. they are fact, but like there's space between what we know and like what exists. Mm-hmm. Her in this episode had this kind of nervousness about that space and like mm-hmm. anxiety about that. So I think when when she was apologizing, it was sort of like she was like, I've been kind of closed minded. But I realize there's more space between that. That's how I usually read it. 
Mm-hmm. But for some reason, when I watched this episode this time, it kind of pissed me off. She apologized. <laughs> Did you have an opinion on it? I mean, I don't think she needed to apologize. <laughs> yes. Like, she apologize was- for what? Yeah, she didn't do anything wrong. And like... She was right. She was right. The only reason they found out really anything useful is because of the work that she did. Apologize for what? Being the one to actually do something here? Exactly. And it was like, it was for her. Like, if she was apologizing more for her, something she felt personally, like, that'd be one thing. That's fine. But like, it very much felt like she was like, sorry for doubting you. It was just like, no, like, no, no, that's the whole no. damn dynamic. No, I don't like it. It just reminds me of like, uh, like shitty teenage boys that you date in high school and y'all get into a fight or whatever. And he's all pissy. And like you apologize because you mostly just like want it to be over, even though you know that you're right. And so you're just like, sorry, I hurt your feelings. And he's like, yeah, you were wrong. And like, then it's over. Like, I don't know. It just like, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. I was just like, she doesn't need to apologize for his feelings. If he's frustrated and feels inadequate, like that's on him, not on her. (laughs) Right. And it was so weird because it was like nothing Mulder did seem to imply that he was irritated with her. Like, I mean, after their argument, I mean, he he was miffed. But like, I don't think after that he was like, man, I'm really pissed that you yelled at me in the hallway. Right. Or that you were right about like, why should we trust a deep throat? I don't know. It just, it felt kind of weird. Yeah, it was like, it was like, man, like, Chris Carter, what the hell are you doing? Like, she doesn't have anything to apologize for. And also, like, it was so frustrating because, like, so much of the show, like, when they argue like that, it's, it's like, healthy. Right. It's how they work out their ideas. Right. She challenges him to prove his assertions. And that's good. And that's what makes the show work. Right. And that's what makes this show so compelling and fun is that mm-hmm. dialogue, that snappiness, and how much they challenge each other. And so, I mean, sometimes there's episodes where it feels more hostile, but like mm-hmm. this episode it didn't seem hostile. She was like, "What are you even doing?" Yeah. And so the idea that she would have to apologize for that like really irked me this time around. When usually yeah. I'm like, "This is a fun, this is a nice moment for Scully's development as right. a character." Of like her opening herself up a little bit, mm-hmm. but to me it didn't it didn't read quite that way this time around, and it just kind of pissed me off more than anything else. Yeah, it definitely felt like a ego thing, writer ego thing, or Chris Carter ego thing. Yeah, and then like even after like Mulder was like, "Why? What do you have to apologize for?" <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Nobody else trusts me, so like I'm not bothered, you know. Right. So they they walk into the storage, and the tanks are gone. Unsurprisingly, I mean, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they run into Deep Throat, and it turns out um, this is when he kind of info dumps like Brube was doing human experiments that we like we mentioned. This is the Hydra reveal, as I called it earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and so these alien human hybrids, like the government was going to kill all of them, but this one who's in the lake, his name is William Sakar, and he was a friend of Brube, so Brube tipped him off, and so he ran away, and then. Deep Throat's like, okay, you need to assemble the pieces. I didn't realize how quick they would cover everything up, so you gotta hurry. So then Mulder goes back to Berube's place to gather evidence, and he runs into Dr. Sakar. And um, <laughs> Sakar knocks gun- Mulder's gun away. Of course. And so he has him against the wall in like the attic, and Mulder's like, I can protect you. Uh, Sakar gets shot, Mulder gets poisoned by the gas, and kidnapped by the syndicate, and the uh, guy with the very pr- particular haircut. so scully goes to Mulder's to because she she's not getting an answer from him Mm -hmm. she runs into deep throat and deep throat's like okay they must have him 
there's one piece of evidence they haven't covered up, and it's in Fort Marlene in Maryland. So Scully gets credentials from Deep Throat to infiltrate the fort to steal from the government, which I think is very cool of her. It's very awesome. And this is also like some of the best Gillian Anderson acting in this episode is like she is nervous as hell as Mm -hmm. anyone would be. And she plays it so well. Yeah, she she goes up to the level that she goes to and there's a guy there and she wasn't expecting it. And he's like, what's the password? She's just like, because of course, of course, Deep Throat didn't tell her what it was. Why would he? Yeah, and, but she's brilliant. But she's smart. She remembered on the early wire class, there's a sticker at the bottom that said purity control. And she says purity control. And she goes into the um, the cryology level and she goes to the section labeled purity control. And she pulls out, there's like a tub of liquid ni- nitrogen, and she pulls out this alien fetus. <laughs> I like how it's just like a fully intact, like alien fetus, and not just I love like the alien fetus. cell cultures, like, <laughs> which would, I, which is what I would expect, having worked with like some human cell lines, um, like human right. tissue cell lines that have been kept in liquid nitrogen, like... But no, it was a fully intact alien fetus. <laughs> Bold move. <laughs> yes. I love this fetus. It's such a good it's such a good look. I also do have a fun story about this fetus. Okay. It's not fun. I always say my stories are fun. They're not fun. I don't know. I'll I'm tell a story if it's fun. I'm thinking, you tell me. How do the pro lifers feel about this government <laughs> frozen like alien fetus? Is it okay if we use alien fetal cell lines for research? I was going to make a joke about how Scully's Catholic. <laughs> she be pro-abortion or not. <laughs> She's Catholic. Is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine made with these alien fetal cell lines? Yeah, she's not getting that Johnson & Johnson vaccine. <laughs> the Catholic Church told her not to. <laughs> My friend, our, our friend Nick, uh, tipped us off, or tipped me off, really, mm-hmm. to the fact that there are trading cards for the X-Files. Oh, and, well, I mean, of course Nick would know that. Yeah, it's it's always like, oh, damn. And so I bought some on eBay, and I opened them. And I bought some from season one, and I was like, I just want the alien fetus. Like, Did that's you get all it? I want. Yes, of course I got it. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> so I had this, this trading card, uh, this X-Files trading card. Oh my god, that's amazing. The alien fetus on it. I have, like, a bunch I didn't mention them at all. There's actually one for Darkness Falls I should have mentioned. Oh, the little, like, the little bugs. The little bugs. But yeah, and so, um... Oh my god, the alien fetus <laughs> is the star of the show, though. I love the alien fetus. It's just, like, there's <laughs> something so, like, you're right, that like, it's just a full-on fetus. Yeah, like... Which is very weird. That shit to me, like, that's so crazy. Like, it just, it's also like, how do you think science is done that we just have, like, frozen fetuses? <laughs> Like no, this is this is how the aliens work. That's not. They just have their frozen fetuses in tubs of liquid nitrogen, not just like you know cell lines and flasks. Also, it begs the question: Did the aliens gift us this fetus, or what? Yeah, how did we get the alien fetus? And how did we have the? I mean, I guess it was within a time where we knew we could freeze things in liquid nitrogen to preserve them. But uh, when when did we get the alien fetus? Yes, yes, she steals the fetus. And they find out Mulder has been kidnapped. And so Deep Throat How arranges. did she steal the fetus? 
I don't know. Like, what does she just put it in her comically large jacket? I mean, because they're hiding her pregnancy now anyway, so they're only doing, like, mid-upper body shots of her most of the time. Yes, yes. But that's what I was wondering, too. Like, did she just put it in her bag? I don't know. She just got the fetus out. Did she just shoplift it? Like, just put it in her purse (laughs) and walk out? Wouldn't it be funny if Scully had, like, a rebellious phase as a teen where she got, like, really into shoplifting? Oh, I would love it. I, mean, I think she was a punk. Like, I imagine she was a punk teen because Jillian Anderson was, was. a punk teen. I was. I wouldn't be surprised if Jillian Anderson shoplifted as a teen because she had a punk phase. So, yes. like, of course. Yes. Yeah, so Scully gets it out somehow. And she puts it in a box. Right. That's, I'm just, again, like, it needs to be kept cold, right? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, obviously it was being stored cold. Right. Yeah, she just has it in a box. And so she meets Deep Throat on a bridge. And they argue about who's doing the exchange. And I did have a note uh, about um, when they were shooting on this bridge, mm-hmm. they were supposed to have the bridge blocked off by the Vancouver PD, but they just like never showed up, apparently. Oh, no. They just like had to like cobble together some shots and they put off the dialogue because the director was like, worst case, I can shoot this on a set. Right. Since it's just their faces. Yeah. They're doing the all the other shots. After they've done all that, our R.W. Goodwin, uh, Jillian Anderson had fallen asleep in the back of uh, one of the cars mm-hmm. and he goes to wake her up and he's like, OK, like, let's do the dialogue. And he says, like, she got angry, rightfully so. Actually, not really angry. She was tired. Right. <laughs> and he's like, we got 20 minutes till sunrise. <laughs> and he's like, let's shoot it. And if it's not good, we'll just redo it. It's fine. And so. I didn't know that, and I read that, and like watched the scene. I was like, "Wow!" Like it really comes off how stressed they are. They're so right. like, like the end of their rope yelling at each other. Right. It's like really, it's really good. It's a really good scene. It's one of the best in this episode for sure. But yes. um, yeah, that makes sense that everyone was just kind of pissed off <laughs> in general. Yes, everybody was like so damn tired, and they were like, "It's so funny." Every time I learn a new detail about like network dramas, mm-hmm. they honestly just sound like this convoluted way to like torture rich people, like rich actors, yeah, by making them shoot like eighteen-hour days for like several months sounds because awful. of the pure volume of episodes. <laughs> so yeah, it sounds awful, and I don't know why we did this for so long. <laughs> I don't know either. It makes no sense to me. It, it's it's really it's honestly impressive. Like as awful as like I imagine working that long of hours and like that stressful conditions is it kind it kind of in a way like makes the product more impressive, right? Yeah, but also treat your workers better. <laughs> right, right. Like solidly in the camp of like it's good that we don't do this as badly as we did at some point, right? But I also feel like. There's there's just like the creativeness of having 24 episodes to work with, especially with the X-Files. You just got such weird things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun. But no amount of that creativity is worth like making their workers suffer. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But it but it was like I was like, damn, like <laughs> this sounds awful. <laughs> just like sleeping in a car on a bridge. When you're pregnant? Yes, yeah, be pregnant. But like just being woken up and being like, okay, get here, talk some lines. We have 20 minutes till sunrise. So hope you get it in one take. Yeah. And they're arguing. And I thought the line Deep Throat had here where she's like, I don't trust you. I don't know anything about you. I'll hand over the thing. And Deep Throat was like, in 1986, like, you know, the government injected kids with this like alien virus without telling them, like, this is kind of people you're dealing with. Right. I kind of like 
kind of liked that line as horned in as it seemed. Like, it just kind of seemed shoved in there. But, like, mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. Because he's like, you don't realize how much, like, they will kill you and discard you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but then Scully follows it up with an equally valid question. She's like, why are we giving it back to them then? Right. <laughs> right. I think she's right. I think that that is a reason to still not trust them that he gives. And, and he's like, we gotta save Mulder. Y'all, y'all gotta uncover this. And he's like... <laughs> If you wanted us to uncover it, why did you give us such shit leads to begin with? I also like how she's like, why is like saving Mulder worth harming so many other people? Because she's right. I would also be she's like, right. mm, not doing this. But she loses the argument because Chris Carter wrote this episode. <sighs> He's like, let's have Scully be entirely right, but also I'm going to negate anything that she does. An interesting thing that I hadn't considered, but I think I saw someone mention once where it was like, like maybe Deep Throat realized whoever was going to hand it over was going to get shot. And so he was trying to protect her. Mm, Maybe. I don't really know if the show bears that out necessarily, but it's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. I think that would be interesting if there was proof later on in the show that that's what what was actually happening but without that proof it's kind of just like well uh yeah so he he goes to do the he wins the argument he goes to do the exchange and he gives it to him and they shoot him and they dump Mulder's body in the middle of the street (laughs) and scully runs and checks on Mulder and then checks on deep throat and he he was uh i I mean i think this is a good scene but it was very funny because he was very much putting every ounce of acting acting that he ever had into the scene where he just goes, he croaks out like, trust no one. <laughs> I told my wife, I was like, this death scene reminded me of like Yoda dying in Star Wars. <laughs> like, not really for any real reason, but like same vibes, like just like really like whispery croaking, like line delivery. <laughs> and then like <laughs> death. <laughs> So, but yeah, it was good. Too. Yeah, it was it was good. And uh, also RIP to Deep Throat. RIP. We're going to have a new but but this gives way to a new source. Ooh. And spoiler alert, it's my favorite source. Deep Throat gave his life for Mulder's like a father should, I guess. <laughs> Full circle daddy issues. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The episode has a little text. It says it's 13 days later. And Scully's asleep. And you know how I just spent that time talking about how praising Chris Carter for not putting 1013 in a place where he could have put 1013. <laughs> that bastard put 1122 just to spite me for saying that. 1122 yep. being his wife's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also in the show a lot. <laughs> Less so than 1013, but you will see 1022. I didn't, I didn't know that 1122 was his wife's birthday. Yes. That makes yes. sense. And so Scully gets a call uh, from Mulder uh, telling her that they've been reassigned. And as we mentioned earlier, David Duchovny's acting. Not good. Not his best work. Mm, Not his best work in the scene. Yeah. It's really weird. (laughs) It's so, it's so like the, he just like forces the dialogue in such a bizarre manner. Mm -hmm. But he says, I'm not going to give up as long as the truth is out there. And so that kind of sets us up for season two. Mm-hmm. But I did like the the full circle-ness of this episode is that this episode ends with Cigarette Smoking Man putting the fetus. It seems they have now put in formaldehyde mm-hmm. and putting it in that big storage container or the, not the storage container, like that big facility Warehouse in the Pentagon. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So that was a nice echo to the pilot of having it mm-hmm. in the same way. Mm-hmm. I really like the... 
the know your fire exit sign on the door. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, and um, we kind of talked about earlier um, why I picked this episode that like it has a lot of groundwork for the mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't necessarily need to rehash that. But I did want to talk about season one in general, because mm-hmm. if we were to restart this podcast, there are some episodes I would have included that we didn't cover. <laughs> but I can't think too hard about that because it'll drive me crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But I think I think I would have had us cover like probably um, Deep Throat and like mm-hmm. Squeeze and Ice and Tombs, I think. The ones that I that jumped out to me. It's like, damn, I wish we could have talked about these. But the past is in the past. Yes. <laughs> but as far as uh, getting a rough idea of season one, I know you've seen some other episodes, but like, what mm-hmm. did you think of like this being a way to watch this first season of The X-Files? Um, I think it's interesting. Honestly, I think if someone only watched just the episodes we watch they might be kind of confused like i think they you need some more context of especially like like deep throat and some of the other episodes to really kind of understand season one i don't think you need to watch every season one episode but yeah absolutely don't i think it's yeah yeah totally i think uh i think it's pretty interesting though um i'm i'm more excited for like the later seasons i think Mm -hmm. um season one is definitely like okay we need to hit the important groundwork parts kind of for the later seasons with some like fun like monster of the week stuff thrown in Mm -hmm. yeah that's how i feel yeah like season one i think is it's decent it's definitely not my favorite or Mm -hmm. i did rank the seasons and i can't quite remember where i put one but i want to say it's probably like sixth or seventh Mm -hmm. i'm kind of glad to be done with it because it does feel like a lot of legwork Mm -hmm. not necessarily in like how we made it but it was just like this is a lot of like this is good but it's also setting a lot of groundwork for like later stuff right there's just like a lot of explaining that happens in season one like not just like from us but like just like in the episodes themselves that can Mm -hmm. be kind of exhausting yeah yeah for sure but i hope that the episodes we've covered have put you given you at least like a groundwork for the rest of the series Mm -hmm. which if you're watching these season one episodes and you're kind of iffy on it, just stick with me. I promise Please. I will guide you to the promised land. I will guide you to seasons three through six, the high point of the show. <laughs> it's Zenith, but it was a cultural phenomenon. Unlike, well, not I was supposed to say unlike anything else. That's not true. There's lots of cultural phenomenons. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I trust in you, Shelby, and I hope that our listeners also trust in you to get us there. Yes. Yeah, what's that, what's that Scully line? I should know by now to trust your instincts. I am older. Everyone trust me. I thought you were going to say, I'm seeing the pieces, but not the connection. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will make this mythology make sense to y'all. <laughs> You'll do your best. I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm going to put the pieces together. But mm-hmm. I hope everyone enjoyed what they saw of season one. And Mm -hmm. if you would like to, if you're maybe a little confused, watch the episodes I just mentioned or don't. It's fine. Yeah. So that was season one. Yeah. We're finally done. We're done with Ah. season one. Yay. Yes. Yeah. So now on to our segments. Okay. Our first segment is, as always, how annoying was Mulder this episode? Agent Mulder. Shut up, Mulder. Damn it, Mulder. Mulder! (laughs) And as always, I will go first. I had a hard time giving a rating this episode because 
he is inherently more annoying in the mythology ones, just because I think he's always just like doing some bullshit. Like he's he's always trying to move the plot forward, which involves him just like being hastily running around. But honestly, he wasn't that annoying in this episode. So I'm going to give him a five. He's like okay. solidly a five to me. Okay, like, very middle of the road. Okay. Yeah, again, I found him more annoying, just mostly because of how much of a dumbass he was in this episode. Like, oh my god. And, like, I didn't like the way that he, his and Scully's little, like, fight in the lab. I didn't, I didn't like the way he was just, like, figure this out. Bye. Because <laughs> he was mad that, like, she made him feel, I don't know, question his beliefs, which was, like, a good thing. Um, somebody even, like, a seven, because, uh... I I found his dumbassness honestly like kind of more funny in this episode like of him just kind of like getting kidnapped because he was so dumb <laughs> instead of yes. like the previous episode where darkness falls where it's like his dumbassness almost got all of them killed um <laughs> two different things it's fine if your your dumbassness only hurts yourself so yeah I'll, I'll give him a seven he could okay. have been worse uh Scully's sassiest moment of the episode so uh this must be the enigmatic agent Scully <laughs> you want to go first? I feel like yeah. we have the same one. We probably do. Um, it's definitely going to be the monkey pee line. <laughs> yes. Under the blast yes. And she's like, if this is monkey pee, you're on your own. <laughs> queen. <laughs> queen, queen. I thought about that one. I'll just use my backup since you used it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's after Mulder says that he was, the guy was stopped for a movie violation, or tr- they tried to stop him for a movie violation, and she just. That ought to put him in the top 10 most wanted list. <laughs> um, my other note, this is not related, but I could not remember how to spell Ada. And I couldn't get close enough for Google to correct me. And so I had to go to Alanis Morissette's Wikipedia page and look up You Ought to Know so I could figure out how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute, Shelby. I love that. <laughs> so I finally figured out. And if you're listening at home and you want to know how to spell it, it is O-U-G-H-T-A. I kept getting to Auda, and I was like, there's a G somewhere, and I don't know what this was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. And uh, our last segment, the 90th moment of the episode. Welcome. You've got mail. All right. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Mm-hmm. It's definitely when Mulder was recording the news via VCR. Okay. Yes, that was my backup. Okay. Because I figured that there were there were two 90s moments to me. And so I figured, like, obviously recording the news with his VCR. Like, absolutely. Because VCRs just aren't a thing anymore. But my 90s moment is whenever he's at, in the doctor's house and he finds the itemized phone bill with the numbers <laughs> that the doctor called, which is, like, how he finds the storage unit. Because, like, that's just not a thing anymore. It's like, <laughs> fun fact, like, whenever you had landlines, they would, like, with your bill, they would include all of the phone numbers that you called within that billing cycle for some, I don't know, kind of like psychotic reason. I don't really know why <laughs> that was ever done. Um, except well, if you to like consider it, find your husband cheating. Like, <laughs> that's the only good thing that I think or useful thing it could be used for. Well, if you think about it, our, fo- our phones do that too. It's just like makes sense because it's just like previously contacted list. Right. But you are right. That is weird to like send it with a bill. Right. Right. It's just like your call history. It's not like a part of the bill. Like hashtag millennial here. My dad still pays for my cell phone. Um, Thank you, dad. Like my dad's not getting 
with his bill, his phone bill, like every phone number that I'm calling, which right now <laughs> it would just be spam numbers calling me because I'm getting a lot of spam calls right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just so it's just so strange. So 90s like that. That's not a thing anymore. I don't even think it's a thing for people that still have landlines. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a really good moment. I like that. I didn't. Yeah. I don't even think I picked up on that. Yeah, and like phone companies still have those records, right? Because like people are able to like subpoena for them. They don't just like give them to you for free without like a court order. Now, I guess. Uh, so we hope you liked the episode, even mm-hmm. though Laura didn't. <laughs> I just found it highly frustrating. I hope you liked the episode. (laughs) But if you didn't, that's also fine, because I thought it was fine. I keep forgetting to do this, and so I just want to thank Mm -hmm. Laura's wife, Raina, Mm -hmm. for the outro song that you should be hearing right now. Uh, So thank you so much for making that for me. It's very cool. Yes, it's very beautiful. Yes. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, we are Condensed Truth. And if you'd like to email us, you can email us at condensedtruthpod at gmail.com. And next time... We will be talking Season 2, Episode 1, Little Green Men. And I wanted to note that I can't quite remember. But I'm pretty sure this episode has some, like, stroby lights at some point. So I don't know if anyone listening is sensitive to that. But I just wanted to let y'all know. Reasonably sure that has a scene in it with it. Anyway, we will have a guest. And yeah, we will see y'all then. Or hear y'all then. Or you will hear us then. I don't really know what the proper term is. <laughs> Who does? But thank you. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. And I really hope y'all like season one. And I hope somebody's watching along. Yay. Because uh, I think a lot of our friends are listening. Watch the episodes. You don't yeah. have to. <laughs> but like you should. I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah, you should you should watch the episodes. I feel like if you're going to listen, <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, you p- put it on and like do dishes or something. I don't care. Yeah. It can be background noise. <laughs> If, you for, if you're not paying attention, you miss something, I'll explain it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so thank, thank you so much. And we're on to season two, which I'm supremely excited about. Me too. Because we're going to talk about some episodes that are very good. And I have a lot to say on the subject. <laughs> so I hope y'all are ready for me to just spend 30 minutes... <laughs> talking about how important a very specific episode is. I am. (laughs) I'm ready for it. (laughs) So yes, thank you and goodbye and have a nice weekend or whatever. Bye. Bye.